The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in, uh, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can, uh, well, actually, let me let me change that because Rumble, yep, Rumble is still messing things up. Uh, just so they get the the idea here, twice I put in for live feeds, set them up. Put in the stream keys and Rumble turns it into something like I uploaded it. So I'm going to have a strongly worded email to Rumble after the show. So you can't watch it. I apologize for that, but you can't watch it. Uh, but it will be uploaded later on today. I have about a six hour round trip right after the show. So I will get it up as soon as we can so that you can watch it on Rumble if you want to do that. Uh, but if not, uh, you are hearing it here on Red State Talk Radio. But by the way, you can see Bradley's educational video, What is the Best Gospel Verse? You can check that out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. He'll have another one up um, later today at 3 o'clock. That'll change out, and we'll have that up. Uh, right under where we should be streaming live <laughs> is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, you know we're, um, we're heavily censored, just like a lot of people are. And uh, this is a good way for you to get the information out that, that we put out in the articles we have, and including the Morning Show Archive. So that'll be out later on today. You can sign up for that at sonsoflibertymedia.com. You get it once a day between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern. And then if you want a ministry email, you want to see what we're doing with the Sons of Liberty, go to Sons of Liberty Radio, excuse me, sonsoflibertyradio.com, and you can sign up right there on the front page. You get an email once a week, and that tells you what we've been doing throughout the week or what's coming up. Uh, that we're engaged in. And if you agree with our message, you would like to help keep us out there doing what we're doing, there's a donate button at the top of the page. You can click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And uh, we appreciate your support very much. Now, this morning, uh, I've got a special guest. I've only had a chance to speak with him very briefly. Um, but uh, our friend Bill, uh, the truck driver theologian, had recommended uh, these guys to us, or to me. And um, the the website that they have is godsendusmen.com, godsendusmen.com. And uh, 
to hear me, you know, we're, we, we talk about the fact that, you know, our, our original foundations, the ones that those guys, you know, they, they left the tyranny of England and they left the tyranny of Scotland and all of this other, and they came over to, um, you know, the new world as it was. And they established their laws based upon the Bible. I mean, they cited the scriptures for why their laws were, why the punishments were there. We've been through a lot of this stuff. They flew the flags, you know, in the, uh, the war for independence, no King, but King Jesus. And, uh, so with that said, there was something that was very interesting uh, that I found on the website, and we're going to kind of start there in just a bit and uh, move from it. But I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, uh, Charlie Stewart, who runs a site over there. Good morning, Charlie. Good to see you, man. Yeah, Tim. Glad to ha- glad that you had me this morning. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, and some some reason I didn't it didn't pick up the other part. That that's Charlie. There he is. <laughs> I, I clicked on the button thinking it would change out, and for whatever reason it didn't change out to to the image that was there. Uh, but here's the thing, Charlie. Um, why don't you in Why don't you sort of introduce yourself? Because I don't really have a, a so, sort of a, bi- a biography of you. I think you've been preaching for about forty years, from what I understand. And uh, you do a live broadcast on your website, but can you tell people a little bit about who Charlie is? Well, Charlie was raised in a Baptist church by a Baptist preacher, and and uh, never was one of those kids that never missed a a single service of of, of attending church probably a day in his life. And uh, at the age of twelve, gave his life uh, to what they call in the churches full-time Christian service, and uh, then went on to Bible college and then went on to minister in in two of the largest, quote, Baptist churches in the country, um, and quickly became disillusioned uh, by the things that I saw, uh, particularly behind the scenes of how these um, mega, and I, I, Tim, you'll hear me, it it might, it might be a little uh, annoying. But when I say the word church, I typically put it in quotes um, because I have discovered many years ago that the English word church should not even be in our Bible. In fact, in the 1611 KJV, uh, the translators themselves said that they refused to hold to the scrupulosity, and you know that word comes from scruples. Right. They, they said they refused to hold on to the scrupulosity of the Puritans, preferring rather to use the word church as opposed to what the uh, what they said that the Puritans used, which was congregation, which which actually means government, which is what ecclesia means. And we we've lost that. That's been that's been taken from us. We our generation, and really for the last probably close to. Um, well, well, more than two two hundred years now does not understand what ecclesia means. Well, I learned this many many years ago, and began preaching uh, the 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 truth, the difference between quote church and ecclesia. Jesus did not set up weekend social organizations; he set up his government. That's what ecclesia means. It means government. And so, anyway, I preached this and uh, attempted to live it in my own life and in the life of my family uh, for, you know, uh, about 40 years or so and and preaching it all along the way. Uh, Back when I was about uh, 20 years old, I 
was some some things that happened to me in these church relationships and I realized that if you get too close and you ask too many questions there's a real possibility you might find yourself on the street and that's exactly what happened to me and so I cried out to the Lord and and asked for uh for him to make himself real to me in that I needed to know what I believed because I found it from the Word of God, not because of what some man told me I was supposed to believe. Okay. And when that happened to me, I found myself in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus was speaking to his disciples, what the Scripture says to his disciples, that there be some standing here which shall not taste of death, Till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And I had I had read that to him a hundred, a thousand times before that evening. And yet, for some reason, that hit me like I had ne- never been hit before with the scriptures. And so then I continued reading that evening, and I found myself in Matthew chapter 24, and realized instantly, if every other verse then said Jesus to his disciples, then said Jesus to his disciples. These were the men he was speaking to 2,000 years ago. And we get to verse 34, and he says uh, that this generation, this generation, the one he was speaking to, would not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. And that instant, even even though, Tim, I didn't know that anybody else in the world even believed that the script that the that the prophecies had been fulfilled that that began a a revolution in my life that led me to the understanding that Jesus Christ fulfilled on or before AD 70 every single prophecy in the scripture there is nothing left there is nothing left to be fulfilled and and I and I talk to when I tell people that and I show them the scriptures for some reason, they seem to think that that, that, that creates a, a hopeless situation when the reality is, <laughs> excuse me, it does exactly the opposite because the implications of what this means is, is that Christ set up his kingdom in the first century, just like he said over and over and over when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That doesn't mean that it's 2,000 years from the time he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he set up his kingdom, he set up his ecclesia, which, is, which was the kingdom of God. It was the government of Israel, and Christ took David's throne in the first century, and he's been ruling and reigning in the lives of every single person who will allow his reign, and that's been going on since the first century, and it is the responsibility of every living, breathing creature to conform to his government and his government alone in the new covenant world in which we now live, Tim, God does not allow mere men to set up their own government. Christ and Christ alone and his Father are the sole rulers of the world that we live in now, and it is the responsibility of every living, breathing creature to come out from the, I call them little G governments of men, 
and into the government of God, into the exclusive government of God. And that's not been preached. And Tim, that's why we're in the situation that we're in. Because people do not understand, they've taken the word ecclesia, and they've replaced it for something called church, which should never be in our Bible. In fact, in the first completed English Bible that we ever had, that was completed, written, uh, from, translated from the Greek to the Hebrew, which was the Coverdale Bible. William Tyndale started it and couldn't complete it because he was executed. One of the reasons he was executed was because he refused to translate ecclesia as church. And when Coverdale finally finished it, you will not find the word church in the very first completed English Bible. But as it is, men always have attacked the government of God. And through the years, eventually, we're at where we're at now, where we have a weakened social social organization that 99.999% of the world believes is the representative and spokesman of God. And there is no truth there, Tim. As you know, I've heard some of your videos and listened to some of what you said. Quote, unquote, churches are 501c3 government corporations. And all they are, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try to make it something that it's not. They are the religious extension of the state. And their purpose is to make sure that people are bound to the state and that they do not see the government of God. One of the ways they've done that is they've said, oh, yes, oh, yes, Jesus is king. Jesus is king, but just not right now. He's a coming king. Yeah, yeah, right. Someday he'll come. That's yeah. the problem, Tim. And, that's, and, that, and that, those are, that, that's what you'll hear every single weekend if you t- tune in to Missouri Liberty Radio to hear me preach. Well, one of the things, Charlie, you know, you were you were saying. I think you you heard uh, you heard me on. Um, gosh, I forget the guy, I forget their last name, but there was Israeli News Now, I believe. And um, I, I actually went back over and looked at that video. There was a whole lot more comments on that thing than there were when when it initially happened. And I know a lot of people had a problem with me because I talked about God's law. Uh, they had a problem with me because, well, you're saying that most of the Book of Revelation. It seems to be fulfilled and such and and all of this kind of stuff. And um, and they're saying, well, I kind of cut you off with that and this, that and the other. But my point was, when I went to that, I simply pointed to what the time texts were. You know, Revelation chapter one, verses one and three. It's soon. It's at hand. And then he closes out the book saying the same thing. And I think one of the things, Charlie, is and I'm I'm more and more getting that mindset of saying the, you know, we, we hear from the preachers today, and look, I, we're not going to bash the church that Jesus gave his, his, his life for. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something. He's talking, uh, you're speaking about something completely different, right? We're on the same page Absolutely. with that? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So I don't want people to think we're bashing those for whom Christ died. We're not doing that. Uh, but we are looking to correct things. I've said many times, for instance, what you're saying there, uh, Acts chapter 7 it's a great place that I show people, especially those caught up in dispensationalism. Uh, the verse 37, we read that uh, this is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. 
This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. And I get it. It's the ecclesia. And I point that out to people. It's the assembly in the wilderness uh, with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai uh, with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. And I show people who think that the church is somehow distinct from Israel. Now, uh, you know, the old saying is Israel, I forget how it goes. Israel is the church in the, in the Old Testament, sort of to speak. The church is the Israel in the New Testament. I'm sorry if I'm using that word, but I'm just using it so people understand. But they're, but to draw that in, that they are the assembly. They're the, it's the same people of God with their head as Christ. And so I get I get that very clearly. But today, it's like what you said. So many people are looking for some future reign of Jesus and a postage stamp piece of land on a you know physical throne kind of thing, when the scriptures are very clear, First uh, Corinthians fifteen very clear that He is ruling and reigning since the first century. And what I was getting at was many preachers today will say, "Well, um, Jesus is going to come and rule and reign." Yeah, we're 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 in, they'll give lip service to the kingdom, but He's going to rule and reign, and there's going to be a real kingdom, as though. What we're in right now, what Paul says, we've been translated out of darkness into the the kingdom of his dear son, uh, that that's mm-hmm. not real. And I, I don't I don't I don't follow how uh, people fall into that. But a lot of the things that you've hit on are things that I've spoken on as well here. And so with that said, let's go back just a little bit. You, you've got uh, you've got the site here. Uh, God send us men. And one of the things that you were pointing out was uh, this Connecticut. What is it called? Because this was new to me. This was something I learned. Yes. Can you can you kind of launch off into what we're going to talk about here from that and point out these discrepancies in the texts of how King was used and how those who came before us hundreds of years ago would have understood some of these texts? Can you kind of give us a little lesson on that? Well, sure. Um, well, let, let's go back. Uh, a little bit before New Haven Colony Covenant. Um, the 1599 Geneva Bible, which was uh, actually the first one came out in the 1560s, and then the, the, uh, the revision that the pilgrims used was from 1599. Whenever you see um, Christ referred to as king in the Geneva Bible of 1599 and in the first edition, King James Bible. You know, I grew up a Baptist, and it was all King James only, and and uh, they they taught us that no, it was the the first one has never been changed. Well, it's been changed multiple times, but anyway, in the very first original 1611 KJV, every time you see a reference to Christ as King, it is a capital K. Every time, it's a capital K. And particularly when you get to First Peter chapter two, and you read about the king of First Peter chapter two, uh, which incidentally, I, I personally I, I don't need the king in First Peter chapter two to be capitalized for me to understand that it's talking about Christ, it's not talking about Caesar. It's not talking about a Roman emperor. The king in First Peter chapter two is Christ. Um, you have to. You, you can't just skip to verse thirteen and verse seventeen. You got to read the first the first verses of the chapter where you see that it's, it's talking about the nation of God, the people of God, and they're ruled by King Jesus. 
And so when you get to the time where the pilgrims actually came over uh, from Europe and they began to settle uh, certain places in America, uh, one, of the, one of the places that they settled was New Haven uh, in Connecticut. And they, uh, their, for lack of a better word, constitution was called a fundamental agreement or original constitution of the colony of New Haven on June 4, 1639. And when you read this document, it says clearly as can be that the only thing that they would govern themselves by were the scriptures. That's it. And they, and they said, uh, for instance, um, that, that there was nothing more needed to govern their community than the scriptures. That was it. There was, there was not a need for anything more because they understood that men creating their own, and again, I say, quote, laws, because the scripture tells us there is one lawgiver. There's just one. And when men create, quote, laws, well, Christ called them gods. Are you gods? According to your law, you, you create law, so are you gods? That's what Christ said to them. So these men said, we will have no law other than the scriptures. The scriptures hold forth everything we need for dealing with men uh, and, and, and government. That's what they said. Okay, Kent, let, so me, we, let, me, let, me, let me interject and ask a question here, uh, just so we get some clarification. You're not saying that they didn't have a government, that it was their government was God's laws, God was the king, or he, well, God actually is the title that means he's the lawgiver, uh, but Christ is king over the people, and they're only going to use his laws, they're not going to make up laws to fit their fancy, uh, to do things that uh, they probably shouldn't be doing in the first place, is that correct? Exactly, okay. absolutely. And, and then and, the second, they, I'm sorry, and the and second part they, of that, I want to, I want to, I want to interject and just ask from the second Peter part, because uh, I know you talked about uh, whether it be the king, but in the context, let me ask you to kind of unpack that for us. It says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors or unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So it, again, the the understanding would be as long as those men are following Christ, then you submit yourself to that. If they're not doing that, there's a resistance to that kind of tyranny, right? Absolutely. Okay. That's as clear as can be. Yep. I, I mean, yep. I don't understand how people that claim to be followers of Christ and people who claim to read the scriptures do not understand that every single thing in the scripture is about obeying God and God's laws. I I don't understand how people can read scriptures and not come away with that understanding. Let us hear the sum of the whole matter. It is to fear God and keep his commandments. Amen. That's right. You That's know? exactly right. So, well, I can tell you yeah. why, Charlie. It I think it stems from there's not been a true gospel that's been preached. It's not called men from sin. It's called men to take on Jesus but keep their sin. 
and, and well, it's because the Jesus yep. that the church has created is not the Jesus of the Bible That's in right. any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yep. exactly. And, and Tim, it is the problem is futurism. Futurism is what has killed um, our generation and our and the generation before and the generation before. It's futurism because what it says is that <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> you can preach that Christ is King all you want to, as long as he's nothing other than a coming king. Well, here's, the, here's what happens with this. If, the, if, if, he's a, if he's nothing but a coming king, then that means that his laws are not in effect. And, we, and you and I both know that churches have taught for a long time that the laws of God have been done away with. The laws of God were nailed to the cross is what they say. Well, if the laws of God are not in effect today, then what does that leave us with? That leaves us with the laws of men. You're going to have law. Everyone is going to have law. And if you don't have the laws of God, you're going to have the laws of men. And this is the problem. What, what was original sin? Original sin was man defining making up his own definitions of good and evil. That's right. And God and God alone has reserved to himself the um, establishing what is good and what is evil, what is right, what is wrong, what is lawful, what is unlawful. God and God alone is the one who makes those decisions, and it's found in his word. And so men, when they come along and set up their own little G governments, what they're doing is they are establishing what they believe is good and evil, right and wrong, legal and illegal, lawful and unlawful. Yep, that's right. And that's where we are today. And this is because of one thing, Tim. It's because of this thing, this monster, I call it, called church, which is nothing but the religious arm of the state. That's what it is. That's why they're 501c3 government corporations. That's why they're tax exempt. That's, that's why um, you, it, it doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican or whoever. They always stand up on the platform and have religious men gathered around them. Because that's what that's all about. And where you see men calling themselves lawmakers, my goodness, I cannot believe a mere man has the audacity to call himself a lawmaker. Yeah, it's, incre it's incredible to me. I, I will often just refer to them as representatives. And, and you know, sadly, here's, here's the sad reality, Charlie. A lot, of, a lot of people look at the representatives, they see the, the wickedness and the evil that they do, and yet when you sometimes watch these people, these people are a perfect representation of them, kind of like Adam is to the human race. He was our representative, uh, our federal head, if you will. He's the one who did that. He's the one who you know brought sin into the world and death and everything else with it. But at the same time, we, you know, Paul says we were in Adam and... We're all condemned in Adam, but in Christ, we've all been made alive. And one of the things you're, you keep referencing is people keep thinking, well, yeah, I know Jesus is king, but he's really, 
it, it's like they don't think he's king until he's until they see him and he's on a throne and all this kind of stuff. And again, they forget passages like First Corinthians 15. They, they forget passages like this. This is out of Revelation chapter 2, the church at Thyatira. What does Jesus say? He says, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. And then he says this, even as I received of my father. He doesn't say, I'm going to receive it in the future, like I'm going to receive in the future from my father. He said, I've already received it. And people yeah. miss that. Yeah. In a nutshell, Tim, one of the things that I try to get people to understand is that in 1 Samuel chapter 8, the children of Israel went to Samuel and they said, we want a king like all the other nations. And so Samuel, that broke his heart. And he went to God and told him what they had said. And, and God told Samuel, he said, look, they have not rejected you. They've rejected me. That's right. That, that I won't be their king. So what happened was, is God told Samuel, he said, you go ahead and let them have this. But you tell them that if they do this, all these terrible things are going to happen to them. And he listed it over and over and over. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And even after Samuel told them all the terrible things that were going to happen, they still said, nay, we will have a king That's right. yep. like all the other nations. And so God allowed it. And what I'm, what I'm trying to get people to see is that God allowed this only until the end of the old covenant world. And when he sent his son to be king over Israel, that was when God rolled that whole thing back and said, okay, the days of allowing men to have their own way, to walk in their own ways, to have their own kings, to have their own, their own government, those days are over. I am sending my son to be king. Not only, Tim, is he king of kings and lord of lords, but he is the last of the kings that God allows for his creation. And so when we see men setting up their own little G governments since that time and through everything that we've seen for our entire lives, they are doing this out of complete rebellion, sticking their fists in the face of God and saying, no, we will not have this man to reign over us. Give us a king like all the other nations. And that's where we are. Man is living in a total, complete state of rebellion, sticking their fist in the face of God and saying, we will not have this man, Christ, to reign over us. Hmm. That's where we are, and that's why we're in the shape that we're in. And Charlie, let's 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 just let's let the audience know that when even when God told them what was going to happen, they said, "Yeah, we'll take him." Well, then God laid out that that king was to obey the laws that God had given. He wasn't to make up his own. He was to write them out. So he had a copy. He was to read them. He was to indulge. And what what did the kings do? I mean, constantly, even the best of them, they they messed it up too. And I Absolutely. think it I think it just demonstrates the fact that the kingdoms of men will never suffice for the kingdom of God. 
never. And we're supposed to have learned from that. That's why we see what was written in the first 39 books. It was to say, look, this is what happened in Old Covenant Israel and in New Covenant Israel. And if, and if people, again, people don't understand that God has a nation, God has a people, and Ephesians chapter 2 says it as clear as can be that God's people are supposed to be the commonwealth of Israel. We're not talking about a, a group of people in the Middle East who pass laws against teaching in Christ's name. We're talking about the people who have claimed Jesus Christ as their king. Ephesians chapter 2 calls them the commonwealth of Israel. And yet, I'll, dare, I'll tell you what, Tim, I bet 99.9% of people that go to, quote, church have never even heard the phrase the commonwealth of Israel. Yeah, can we, can yet, we give the context what, for that? Let, let me, well, let me give the context real quick, because I tell you, Ephesians chapter 2 is one of my—Ephesians 1 and 2 are probably my favorite um, chapters of the Bible. Here's what it says. Here's what Charlie's talking about. Wherefore, this is beginning at verse 11, if you're following along in your Bible, chapter 2. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. The promise was given to Israel. It wasn't given to the nations around them. And so that's what he's talking about, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who hath made both one. And this is, this is something too here, Charlie, and I'm sure you could speak to this. He hath made both one. Who's the both he's talking about? The circumcision and the uncircumcision, the Jew and the Gentile. He's made them one. He's broken down the wall, the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. That's not the moral law. That's all that stuff that was going on that was pictures of what Christ would do and of Christ himself, the temple, the sacrifice, all that stuff. That's what was nailed to the cross. For to make Absolutely. in himself of twain, one new man of the Jew and Gentile, he made him one man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And what's inter what I find interesting, Charlie, is when you go to like Peter, and Peter's talking, he, he talks about the ecclesia, the church, as it were, as it's translated there. Uh, he, he's talking about them being really like the true Jew, like Paul does, the one who has their hearts circumcised, and he speaks of the the unbelieving world as the Gentiles. So there's now this there's no distinction of this physicality religious thing that's going on. Jesus has made them one, so there should be no distinction as far as uh, you know people who want to call themselves Jews but are not, uh, but are of the synagogue of Satan. But now they're one new man, and somehow the modern church wants to sep wants to rip that apart, wants to rip the work of Christ apart, and say, no, 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 they're still distinct and separate. Well, absolutely, Tim, because the quote church is the religious arm of the state. Would you mind Would you mind re uh, finishing there in Ephesians two and read verse nineteen? Yeah, I, I can do that. Hang on, uh, let me go back okay. to where we are. Uh, let's see. And came, right and came, yes, I've got it. And came and preached peace to you, which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household okay. of God. 
Yeah. So where's where's our citizenship supposed to be? Yeah, it's with the saints and the household of God, which is the commonwealth of Israel. Yes. And 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 most people who call themselves followers of Christ have no clue, have never even heard of the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth of Israel is the name of the people of God. It's the name of the nation of God, which has never stopped continuing to exist since the first century. If you go back, I'm sure you've probably heard of the Greek Septuagint. Yep. Have you Have you heard yep. of the Greek Septuagint? Okay. Well, I went to Bible college, okay, and never even heard of the Greek Septuagint until I got out of, quote, Bible college. If you go back and you look at the kingdom of Israel, go back and look at all of, all of particularly in in uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and, and chapters like that, and take, to, take yourself a Greek Septuagint and read those texts in the Greek Septuagint when you see, for instance, talking about David's throne and gathering the, um, the valiant princes out of all the places from around Israel to come and discuss government and, and to discuss uh, the way that, that Israel was going to go. Okay, that is called, what do you think that was called? I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but the government of Israel, what do you think that was called in the Greek Septuagint? Uh, ecclesia. Ecclesia, yeah. The word is ecclesia. The, the, the quote church has tried to tell everybody that the ecclesia just arrived onto the scene in the first century. No, it didn't. The ecclesia was the government in Israel. That's what it was called, the ecclesia. And Jesus Christ took David's throne and has continued to rule the ecclesia. He's not ruling over weekend social organizations. We are supposed to be citizens of the commonwealth of israel we are not supposed to be united states citizens we are not supposed to be missouri citizens we're not supposed to be filipino citizens we are supposed to be citizens of the commonwealth of israel now therefore because you are in christ you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of god that is talking about the saints in Israel who had embraced Jesus Christ as their king and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, when you go back and you read the New Haven Colony Covenant of 1639, you will see in what they called their constitution, you will see references to Jesus Christ over and over. You will see Bible verses over and over and over. This is why we're doing what we're doing, because this is what it says in the Word of God. Now, that was 1639. Now, the kingdom of God, the government of God, the scriptures say, are from, and this is where so many people miss this, because, and, and here again is another problem, Tim. Most people live by sight instead of living by faith. Living by faith 
is living according to the teachings of the Word of God. Yeah, amen. That is the definition, and most people don't understand what the definition of faith is. Faith is a man's system of belief. That's the definition of faith. Faith is not some mysterious thing floating around in the sky. You know, faith is your system of belief. That's the definition. You can just go to Strong's and see that. Strong's is, a, is an elementary, first-grade, basic dictionary of Greek and Hebrew. And it'll tell you that faith is, your, is a man's system of belief. But most people live by sight, what I can see, as opposed to what the scriptures say and what I'm supposed to believe. So... Uh, anyway, I, I said all that. Now I forget where I was. Where I was headed. <laughs> well, let's that. let's go to this. But, let's go to this uh, New Haven uh, colony. This this constitution that they have. Just to okay. get to the introduction here, and just a couple of things. And if you want to uh, cite a couple of these, I've got it up on the screen here. And by the way, the video is working. I just now saw the chat was in there. It, it just wasn't on earlier, so I apologize for that. But here's the thing. It says. Uh, just kind of want to get down to where they're getting past some of this. Other stuff. Okay, here it is. Uh, the fourth day of the fourth month, called June 1639, all the free planters assembled together in a general meeting to consult about settling civil government according to God and the nomination of persons that might be found by consent of all, fittest in all respects for the foundation work of a church, which was intended— okay, now, now, yeah, stop, go ahead. Stop, stop right there, Tim. Mm-hmm. Stop right there. Okay? Now, even though— I, I say even at 1639, they they did not fully understand. First of all, they had barely had the written word of God, a, a completed copy of the written word of God. They barely had it, okay? But the, the word church here, at least at that time, they understood that what they were calling church was civil government. Yeah. It, it wasn't civil government and church. Civil government was was the church. Quote church. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Oh, absolutely. When we had when we had Brent Winters on, one of the things that he pointed out was he's talking about the assembly, and all of a sudden the light bulb went on. I'm starting to think about not just you know the positions of there, but even when people had town hall meetings and stuff, they would call them assemblies, and in some cases, in some states, they actually call them assemblymen or assemblywomen, uh, which I think is a problem in and of itself having women there, but. You would you would have well, assemblies. Yeah. You would have assemblies, and so it was that was the understanding of it. And of course, the yeah. church. If you look at how we were we were first established, what four or five hundred years ago, in what is now the United States, when when we were first established, all of the I mean, most all of the states looked similar to this. They would cite their laws. They would premise it upon God. They would have the religious test oath that hey, you had to affirm the scriptures of the old new testament with the word of god and you basically had to affirm uh that that christ was the savior and the savior of the world uh and so it was it was a very simple thing but they had to be men of character who were in office and didn't mean they were perfect in every aspect but they had to be men of character that people knew to be men of character and so with that said let me finish reading this little part here because i think this is so interesting the history that we have uh here in in America, which uh, when he talks about the foundation work of a church, which was intended to be gathered in Quinnipiac after solemn invocation of the name of God in prayer for the presence and help of his spirit and grace and those weighty businesses, they were reminded of the business whereabout they met. 
for the establishment of such civil order as might be most pleasing unto God, and for the choosing the fitting men for the foundation work of a church to be gathered, for the better enabling them to discern the mind of God and to agree accordingly concerning the establishment of civil order, Mr. John Davenport propounded diverse queries to them publicly, praying them to consider seriously in the presence and fear of God the weight of the business they met about and not to be rash or slight in giving their votes to things they understood not. But boy, do we have a problem with that today with our representatives. They don't even read it. It ain't even that they understand it. They don't even read it. But to digest fully and thoroughly what should be propounded to them and without respect to men as they should be satisfied and persuaded in their own minds to give their answers in such short in such sort as they would be willing should stand upon record for posterity. And if you'll indulge me, let me read just the first query. And if you want to bring out any others, we can do that. We got about 10 minutes left. Query one, whether the scriptures do hold forth a perfect rule for the direction and government of all men, not just here in the United States, folks, all men everywhere in all duties, which they are to perform to God and men, as well as in families and commonwealth, as in the matters as in matters of the church, this was asserted unto unto by all, no man dissenting, as was expressed by holding up of hands. Afterward it was read over to them that they might see in what words their vote was expressed. They again expressed their consent by holding up their hands, no man dissenting. And I don't know if you want to comment on that or if you want to add something to it. Maybe there's some other parts in here you want to bring out. Well, um, I don't. I mean, it, it, it pretty well speaks for itself. Um, the scriptures. It, it, how thick is your Bible, Tim? About an inch and a half. Yeah, Mine, mine's about an inch and a half thick. Um, the, the the biggest one I've ever seen is is my fifty ninety nine replica Geneva. It's about two and a half inches thick, maybe three. And in that book of inch and a half to three inches contains every law that every man needs and nothing else. The, quote, laws of men stretch to the moon and back. There are so many. And yet people prefer that law system as opposed to just the laws contained in an inch and a half book. It's amazing to me. So, <coughs> so that's the one thing in the beginning of this query number one that I find the most interesting where they said that the scriptures hold forth a perfect rule for the direction of government of men okay the second thing that's very interesting Tim is that when they voted it says that they expressed by holding up of hands people in in the United States of America today are so blind and they're so far away from truth from simple truth they think that one of the greatest things that they have in their world is the private secret ballot. No, a private secret ballot is one of the biggest tools the enemies of God have ever used against people. Mm. A secret ballot, Christ himself said, don't you dare do anything in secret. And yet, people who call themselves followers of Christ, one of the things that they do when they talk about their form of government today is they love the secret ballot. How great the secret ballot, the voting system is in the U.S. They have no idea that they're completely, totally deceived. 
That is not how things are supposed to be done. A man is supposed to stand in the public square and say, this is what I believe. This is what how I, quote, vote, if you had a vote. That would take care of all the voting issues that these people have. Well, that's how they're sneaking in. That's how they're sneaking things in now, even under cover of darkness, to promote whoever they want to be put in in power. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything they do, everything they have done has been diametrically opposed to the scriptures. Um, You've probably heard of my friend Ted Ted Weiland, haven't you? Maybe not. Yes, yes, I have. I have. I have. I've spoken with him a couple of times. Okay, you know, Ted, Ted put together, wrote a book, over 500 pages, where he went through and he examined the U.S. Constitution. And I know this is going to be offensive to some of your listeners, but, you know, I, I'm the way it goes, I think the, the, the most important letters of the U.S. Constitution are the first three, C-O-N. And when I, when I spell the word, it's a capital C-O-N, Constitution. But Ted went and he he laid the Constitution on one side of the table and the scriptures on the other side of the table, and he compared them. The U.S. Constitution is diametrically opposed to the Word of God in nearly every single thing that it says. Tim, I was a 20-year-old snot-nosed kid when I read the and – I, and I went to government school. Sure, I did. I went to public school. But I'm telling you, it wasn't until – after I left government school that I ever read the U.S. Constitution one time in my life. And when I got to the point where it says our Constitution and our laws and our treaties, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land. I'm telling you, that absolutely shook me to my core. And, I, and when I read that, I said, oh, my word, those men stuck their put their fist in the face of God and said, our laws, not your laws, not your uh, commandments, not your statutes, our laws, our treaties, our statutes shall be the supreme law of the land. And I'm telling you that absolutely shook me to the core. And for the follower of Christ, it should not be so. And today, when people are standing with we the people, standing lock arms with every freak, queer, and pervert that, that, is, that is protected by that U.S. Constitution. God's people are to come out from among them and be separate. Hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I find interesting, uh, Charlie, is this. Even And I, I cite the Constitution only by the sense of these are men who take an oath, uh, which I think there's a problem with there in some sense, but they take an well, oath in to the uphold... fact that Christ said, "Swear not at all." Right? That's, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they do that, and then they 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 won't even uphold their own laws. And I think you were making a point here about um, uh, oh, about the the multitude of laws that men come up with that they write. And I think it was William Penn who said, you know, you're either going to obey the Ten Commandments or you're going to obey God. You're going to obey God's Ten Commandments or you're going to obey man's Ten Thousand Commandments. Well, sadly, men don't even men don't even obey their own laws. They can they can. I mean, what do we, we see this? This is most evidence, I think, in uh, in Jesus' confrontation of the Pharisees. There were laws there, and he said, "You're hypocrites." Matthew twenty three. He woed them to death. I mean, to judgment, literally. 
And he said, These, yeah. this is going to come upon you, and I'm leaving your house desolate. You guys can't even uphold your own laws that you make up to try to justify yourself. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's the same thing. We, we set before ourselves things that we want to attain, but, there, but it's, it's kind of like Eve saying, hmm, well, this looks good, and it looks like it'll make me wise, and it looks like it'll make me like God, and yet what do we do? We're, we're, we're stumbling all over ourselves at not following even what we set up let alone what God has established. Absolutely. Well, we've got about two and a half minutes here, and what I want to do is I want to give those those to you for a final word, and if you want to direct people over to your website, they can check out some of the stuff. And I would would highly encourage people to read this um, Constitution of the Colony of New Haven from 1639, uh, especially if you are familiar with uh, the Mayflower Compact uh, because we we refer to that too that that's how the the men came over and they said this is how we're going to establish our government uh, for the furtherance of the kingdom of God and so if you want to take time to do that please do that and we'll close out the show. Okay, well on the website as well, Tim, I've got um, at least a a reprint from 1857 um, of of the document. The document goes on for I don't know two or three hundred pages at least, and it, and it kind of it. What it does is very interesting. It it, det- it details uh, court cases and shows where they ruled and they made their judgments according to the scripture, and uh, it's it's very interesting. And that, and that does bring me to where I was headed a little bit ago, when, when I went off on that little uh, uh, rabbit trail there, when I talked about that the government of God is from generation to generation is what the scriptures say, and what that means is is that it. it the government of God is 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 seen. It's visible when people live according to the laws of God. But when the children wake up one day and they leave the God of their fathers and they begin to set up their own governments and their own ways, then the then the government of God is pushed is pushed back to the to, to the back of the class because it's from generation to generation. It, it, it's, it's available for those who will embrace the king, embrace the king's laws, and live according to the kingship of Christ. And it's not something that he forces people. He doesn't do things like the governments of the, of, of the world do, where they, they set up their own definitions of good and evil and then run around the countryside with men and women with guns forcing people to obey their definitions of good That's and evil, right. whether they want to or not, yep. or whether they believe in them or not. The government of God doesn't work that way. That's right. And, Charlie, um, we got to go here. Thank you so much for coming on and being with us. The website is godsendusmen.com if you want to check it out. I think he's got a book, uh, a couple of books there, too, if you're, if you're interested in, in following up a little more with that. Uh, Bradley, we have an educational video today, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and we'll be back in the morning. Lord willing, 8 a.m. with Kate Shimrani. See you.